speaker tonight is Nick from District 8, the Brooklyn Serenity Group in New York. And Nick, now if you'll join the queue with star six one, I'll unmute your line and give you the floor. And um, and then afterwards we'll though we'll have time for sharing. And I think this time since you're from New York, I can actually say live, live from New York, it's Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> can you all hear me all right? Yes. Um, great. All right. So <laughs> live from New York, it's Saturday night, and you've chosen to spend Saturday night here. Um, my name is Nick. Uh, I am a pothead from New York City, born and raised. And I am ever so grateful to be right here with you on a Saturday night. Um, it is uh, my pleasure to report that after four years, oh, coming up on four years of uh, sobriety, um, my my being here on a Saturday night is not um, has no bearing on you know how do I phrase this? It's not uncool to be here. This is awesome for me. My life is incredibly full after being sober for for coming up on four years and to be here and to talk with people on a saturday night doesn't feel like something i have to do it feels like something i want to do um which is cool and also something i thought i'd never say and uh you know if i sound like one of the pop people well i apologize but um let me uh do the thing which is to tell all of you disembodied voices uh, my experience strength and hope brought me here uh, experience being my bona fides as a uh, pothead um, my strength being you know uh, the strength I got from these rooms and the hope for the life that I have today so let's start um, at the beginning I don't usually uh, qualify these days given the whole story but um, so this is this is uh, something I haven't done in a minute. Um, so I'll take you back. Um, my uh, first hit of the fine fine grass was at the age of 14 in uh, what would become a Trump development by the Hudson River. Uh, I broke in there. I was under construction at the time with a friend. We smoked a canister of weed, and nothing happened. And I was super super disappointed. Um, you see, I always wanted to be a pothead. I always wanted to be addiction, addicted to drugs. It is it is really weird, but um, that is just sort of the thing. I just, I, I used to, I've told people, I used to smoke incense as a kid because I just wanted to have smoke in my lungs. Um, I, I just, I think more looking back on it more than anything else, I just wanted to not be here. I wanted time travel. I wanted spiritual awakenings. I wanted a way to deal with all this incohate, unknowable anxiety that I just felt all the time. And, um, you know, when I started listening to jam bands and when I started uh, getting into you know, all sorts of music, blues and jazz and rock, and I started to learn about the counterculture of the 60s and stuff, I just knew that, you know, weed was going to be awesome for me. I even would lie and say that I had done it when I hadn't because I had a little fear but one day I decided to do it and nothing happened so the next time that I decided to get high oh man we planned it out we went to a buddy's house his parents weren't there um 
It was going to be incredible. And it was, I blasted off. I never like that wonderful distorted feeling of just being disassociated from my body and the, the way things look different, the way food tasted. Oh my God. It was so great. It was so great that I just wanted to keep doing it and keep doing it. I did. Um, probably my first recollection that I had a problem with this stuff, uh, was probably around senior year of high school when I started to do it, um, in between classes or cutting out, uh, to get all kinds of messed up and then come back in. Um, I don't know. It seemed like all my friends were doing it, so it seemed fine, but, um, but in retrospect, you know, I already had a, a girlfriend telling me, you're smoking a lot of weed, and that's kind of weird. And I already, you know, could see how it was uh, hurting my relationship with uh, people. I remember one time um, leaving high school in first period, going home, uh, getting, like, really, really fucked up with a friend, coming back to direct my, um, like, senior independent studies because I, uh, you know, I had one of those, you know, middle school, uh, what do they call like middle class schools that allowed you to do things like that. Um, and just sort of, um, you know, being so fucked up that the people I was directing in a play said that they lost respect for me that day. You know, that, that I feel like people who can just sort of give or take this stuff. And I know a few people who can, that kind of stuff doesn't happen to them or it only happens to them once. It's not the case in my story. My story involves a whole bunch of fuck ups that have to do with uh, smoking weed. Like, um, let's just uh, go to the part where I dropped out of college and came home and just decided to just keep smoking just all the time. I was incredibly depressed. I, I couldn't find, um, I was, I was always despondent over women, um, and relationships and, uh, you know, I, I was, it was, it was a long time ago, but I, it is, it, I was, I was, I guess what they call today involuntarily celibate, you know, like that whole meme, that's kind of horrible. I sort of fell right into that in like the early two thousands. And I just, I just, um, I, I spent every night smoking weed and watching Daria. I remember that, you know, just, hours and hours and hours and from there you know things got kind of rough like I thought it would be smart a buddy of mine and I thought it would be smart to finance making a record that we thought was going to like tear the music business wide open we thought we would buy an ounce of weed and sell it um, for money for studio time and uh, that landed me in a Manassas State Penitentiary in Virginia because we thought it would be really, really smart to go down to the South, basically, and sell weed in different sized bags. So that was cool. Um, another sort of, you know, proof that I really should be here is uh, getting into a, a car accident on the, my way to a gig uh, in Manhattan. And having and I broke my neck and uh, bruised some ribs and and cut myself up real bad. And my first thing I did was with a broken neck that I didn't know I had, I ran to the overpass and threw all my weed over the side so that no cops that could come to the scene and could find the weed. And keep in mind, I totaled my car and I hit another uh, two people 
who were in dire, dire straits. Um, one of them had to get surgery on their spleen. So like, you know, people like to say that, uh, you can smoke weed and drive, man. I'm not so sure. Um, you would think that, you know, maybe that would be the end of my smoking career, but it just kept going. It kept going until I was about 29 years old. And through that time, you know, I managed to have something like the shell of a life, but I felt like I increasingly had no insides. You know, I, I, I sort of got over the, the hump, if you will, of not being with any uh, romantic partners and had a series of uh, relationships that uh, ended disastrously or not disastrously ended fine, but I just didn't feel all that much. Um, flash forward to the end of my using, I was smoking about, whew, I used to roll joints, man. I would roll like spliffs and I, 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 I would give myself a time like, you know, after four o'clock in the afternoon, I can start smoking. And then I would roll three joints at a time, smoke them all, roll three joints at a time, smoke them all. and just sort of pass out around three in the morning. So I smoked between like, I don't know, 10 and 20 joints a day like that. Um, and it just, ooh, I just, it got harder to, to feel anything besides fucked. Like I didn't want to leave the apartment that I wanted to get all of these things for my life. Cause I'm an ambitious kind of person. You know, there are things that I like to say that I want to do with my life. And I was just not getting there, but also like using the weed to cope with the fact that I wasn't getting there. So sort of shooting myself in the foot with my own gun, um, terrible metaphor. Uh, but it just kept sort of going like that. Um, I used to, you know, I, I, my, my friend circle got really limited to people I smoked with. And honestly, I didn't even like really hanging out with them anymore because they were just going to be a way to deplete my stash faster, which meant I would have to find some sort of way to steal more money from somebody. Um, and if I hung out with them, I would sometimes like say I didn't have weed and not bring my weed so that I could smoke their weed, you know, kind of dishonest friendships. Um, through this all, you know, like, uh, I, I got a, uh, uh, a girlfriend that came and lived with me and she saw how I lived and she was just like, you're going to die. You're coughing all the time. You're smoking all the time. I gave my cats asthma, you know, and none of that really stopped me. I mean, it's the wheels started to, to go. Like maybe I should cut down. I called somebody I knew in the program and was like, I think I might need this. Um, so will you be there when I when I call you? And he was like, man, if you think you might need this, why don't you just go right now? And I was like, ah, fuck that. But I'd say the real wake-up call was I managed – it wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing. I got something that I had wanted for a long time. I got to, like, just appear uh, in a place, in a public place, like on, on the radio, talking about some shit I was doing. And the entire time I felt – dread and the entire time I felt fear and I would just be on Twitter and googling my own name and seeing who was like shitting on me for my dumb opinions you know thinking I was bigger than I was too but just this um and that's very characteristic this piece of shit at the center of the universe thing for all you newcomers that is that is one that keeps coming back up in the rooms at least the ones that I go to um terminal uniqueness versus that anyway so I went into the appearance feeling nothing but dread. 
I did not enjoy the experience because I felt nothing but dread. And afterwards I felt nothing but dread and just wanted to go like that was the thing I had to do. And now I can get high, you know, and it just kept being like that. And I started to think, fuck, all I like, even the good things feel bad and the bad things feel bad. What am I doing? You know? And as luck would have it, I had, I was listening to a podcast and don't judge me, but I was listening to Mark Marion talk to Dr. Drew of all people. And Dr. Drew is not my favorite person in the world. And um, I was just like sloughing back home thinking, you know, fuck, I can't trust any thought that I have when I'm not sober. And I was, you know, smoking a joint while saying this. And then immediately, this is like what, what, you know, like just one of those weird coincidences immediately Dr. True says to Mark Marin, you know, you just can't trust any thought you have when you're not sober. And I was like, ah, fuck more proof, you know, more paranoid cosmic weird proof that I need to do something. Um, And what happened next after that was I met with someone I was interviewing for um, a magazine piece and I asked them how they started their business. And out of, out of nowhere, they were like, can we go off the record? And I was like, sure. And he's like, I got sober. And I just said, without even thinking about it, off the record, how? And he said, uh, well, I'm an AA. Uh, and I was like, I got, a, he was like, you, you got a drinking problem? I was like, no, I've, I've got, a, got a marijuana problem. And he was like, well, AA works for people who have marijuana problems. And also there's MA. I mean, do you want me to take you to a meeting? And I said, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. And a few weeks later, I, I emailed him and he took me to a meeting. And um, I then made myself a date to quit and I kept it. Um, and I've been sober ever since. I got sober. My last time smoking weed was November the 27th in the wee hours of the morning of 2004. 14 does that sound right oh, yeah that's about four years ago and then all the substances followed on january 1 um and that brings us to the strength that i get from doing the work um hmm how to proceed here uh if you're new I can tell you my experiences of being new that I remember really quickly, which were that sometimes it was fucking horrible. And sometimes I couldn't, I couldn't believe how wonderful it was. And so the, you know, like sometimes I just jonesed for weed so bad, or I remember like day one, parents told me they were selling their apartment and like all that financial help I was getting, re all the money I was spending on drugs, that wasn't happening anymore. Day two, girlfriend told me she liked me better, high rather than sober. Um, day three, I remember having like a terrible thing that happened on day three, but I don't even remember what it is anymore. Um, uh, sometimes stuff was good, sometimes stuff was bad, but what I latched onto pretty quick and what got me through the first 90 days was this thought that, um, no two days are ever alike in early sobriety for me. Like swing, like as bad as something might be, that's going to feel completely different tomorrow. And it might feel like a little better. It might feel a lot better. It might feel worse, but it won't feel like this. And for some reason I started to draw some comfort in that because with weed, everything felt the same all the time. By the end of smoking weed, like I wasn't even getting high anymore. I was just sort of getting like, normal and busy, you know, and that wasn't 
doing it for me. I mean, I was starting to mix it with Klonopin, uh, booze. Uh, oh, <laughs> snorting pain pills. I forgot about that. Um, so here in sobriety, the first 90 days, just latching on that shit could be different. You know, it gave me a moment to like stop and look at a tree as one would look at a tree high. You know, remember being high and just looking at the leaves and being like, whoa, it's like a network of God's arteries or something. Oh, that's stupid. But in sobriety, I can look at a tree and go, this tree is beautiful without me having to put anything in my body to make it more beautiful. And and if you find yourself, I would say my, you know, I guess no criticism, no advice, but, you know, for me, if I found myself having a moment like that, I just held on to it. And it really got me through because for me, doing the things, getting the sponsor, starting work on the steps, um, it got me to a point personally where uh, I remember the, the day I w- it was six months sober. I was in Cape May, New Jersey with my girlfriend at the time. And we were on a vacation. I just went, whoa, I have six months today. And I, I'm not thinking about, I haven't thought about smoking weed in a long time. Um, and that was pretty incredible to me. Um, now, you know, it's different for, for everyone. Some people struggle with cravings more than others. But I can honestly say for myself, craving weed, craving booze, craving drugs is not something that hits me all that often. Um, the most recent time was like a couple weeks ago, my sleep schedule was all sorts of fucked up and I just wanted a drug to fall asleep. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like I wanted, like that was, that was the level of craving I had for like, talk to a doctor and talk to my sponsor and see if there's a way that I can get to sleep with an aid because I've totally turned my sleep schedule around from an insane work schedule. And in sobriety, I was able to do those things and just find out like, oh, melatonin is a thing that is not, well, I'm not going to preach, you know, everybody's got their own level of sobriety. But for me, it was like this thing that I had this horrible feeling about, like suddenly it went away by talking to people. I guess that's what I'm getting at is that in sobriety, in the rooms, especially what we have are people who like are first and foremost the biggest experts on being addicted that there are, you know, like you are all experts on what it means to be addicted. And I can learn from that and I can find a way to say that to like take that sleep problem again. I went into a meeting and said what it was. And I had five people coming up to me telling me how they deal with sleep. Or if I have a problem with like a relationship, I talk about it. Five people give me things and somehow one or two of them latch and they get me through. I get a lot of strength from the rooms, like in that way. I also get a lot of strength from doing the steps um, with both with my sponsor and with my sponsees. Um, it's weird how my life seems to work better when I do those things. When I admit that I am powerless over drugs and, and in my case, alcohol. Um, and that my life has become unmanageable, and then furthermore, allow myself to believe that a power outside of myself can restore me to sanity, because I sure as shit can't. I can't restore me to sanity. I've tried every way that I know how, exercise, drugs, therapy, uh, geographics, nothing restored me to sanity that I did, so I had to get something else. Make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, as I understand God, shit did that evolve. At first it was like, well, 
I've got this group of, uh, I've got G.O.D., group of drunks, group of drug addicts, and they're going to help me out. And um, and uh, whether or not there is a God, my sponsor's telling me to pray, I'll just call it a cognitive behavioral exercise, and we don't have to think about a God, you know, because um, I don't believe in God, you know. And over time, for me, that shifted into something that is really beautiful and workable and isn't a part of any sort of religion, but helps me get through moral inventory, you know, uh, really helped me to see patterns of behavior of how I act that aren't good. <laughs> and if changed, helped, uh, you know, step five, telling it to someone, oh man, um, I could just keep going and going and going, telling it to someone, uh, getting the corroboration that I was not alone in feeling as shitty as I did and getting pointers on what exactly was a pattern of behavior. Because the thing about the kind of addiction, if you identify at all with what I've talked about or what I feel um, for me, it goes beyond the substance that I put into my body. Like the substance was the medicine. The problem was a spiritual, if you want to call it that sickness, a mental, physical, and spiritual sickness that, made me need to do drugs to medicate it. Um, um, so like now my life, you know, I'm not going to say my life is perfect now, but I'll tell you one thing. I don't steal money from my parents to pay my rent. I can cover my bills. You know, <laughs> I've got, I don't steal money from anyone to, for drugs because I don't do drugs. Um, if I, if I have a problem with, if I've done something wrong, I have the at least the awareness to, 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 to apologize and amend my behavior. And I feel as though I'm living a, a cleaner life today, even as it gets messy. I mean, my life is unbelievably full with friends, with work, with, you know, some amount of service. I can always do more um, with uh, projects and, and, and of, of, a, of a creative nature with going to, um, going to travel and stuff like that. My life is full in a way that it wasn't when I was just alone in my room, constantly smoking my face off. Um, and, you know, I'll just take today, you know, like today is not an easy situation. You know, today I am sort of trying to figure out multiple things, including uh, a divorce, moving into uh, a new apartment, uh, handling the legalities around all of that, um, you know, because divorces are stressful. Um, but I have tools today. Like I was able to sit down today and just write, uh, you know, I guess what you'd call a 10 step or like an inventory on it and, and get to the bottom of some of, of what I'm feeling and, you know, feel as though the, the spilkas, the, um, the nervous energy around it, the agita was just taken away. If, the the most annoying slogan is what is it it works if you work it <laughs> it does uh for me um and uh i guess that's it that's my story and now i kind of want to hear from you guys so hope somebody got something out of that and thank you for letting me speak and marianne thank you for doing these meetings thank you very much nick uh that was great thank you for coming in and sharing your story with us tonight so that was Nick from the Brooklyn Serenity Group in New York, and um, thank you very much.